guess it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Welcome to the brand new Buddy Martin Show on a Monday, live from the home studio here in beautiful Ocala. I have an excellent show planned for you today. We're going to be talking about, obviously, Gator Sports. We've got some of the best in the business to do that. Also, big news in this part of the country, Ted Potter, Ocala's own, winning the $1.3 million AT&T at Pebble Beach. With us on the program today, we're going to try right now to get a hold before he gets away of a guy who is at Golf Channel preparing to go on, Tim Rosefort. We'll dial Tim up right now. Followed back, we're going to have uh, uh, our friend uh, David Moulton from Southwest Florida, and we'll be talking to Mike McGinnis shortly about uh, his relationship. Hello there, Tim. I'm here with Jaime Diaz. Oh, Hall of Famers. Adams, we call this the smart table here in the newsroom. Man, I'll tell you what, that's what you call royalty right there. How no, are you guys? Well, I'm good. Well, they can't hear you. I don't have you on the speaker because there's other people here. Well, I would understand that, but the good people. Are we taping this or are we going live? We're live right now, the Buddy Martin Show. We are live. I'm not saying anything untoward. You did not. You never do, sir. You never do, sir. Okay. And, and, and listen, it's big news around here, as you know, because we spoke yesterday. I wasn't what are much. You talking about the, you talking about the speed skaters? Or yeah. I know. It's all kind of stuff going on here. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Brittany Bow, uh, didn't uh, get it done, but she, those Dutch skaters got her, but we got others in there. So it's a good time for the old town, uh, Ocala. We call it when, homegrown. We call it, uh, hometown, homegrown around here, you know? I, I should update my column then on on, on Ted Potter Jr. What what happened to Bo? Did she was that last night? And I missed uh, it. Well, I watched it today. Uh, okay. I think it was live, and I posted it as live. She finished. She was fifth when I turned it off. The Dutch skaters on the fifteen hundred, uh, where it came in and just swatted her down. She went out or good, but then her time didn't hold up. I don't know. She was finished. She was looking fifth when I when I turned off the TV today. So I, I'm presuming that was live. On NBC, your your channel. So I've been grinding all day, buddy, from from morning drive. To well, you you are a grinder, Tim. Yeah, and and thanks for thanks for grinding out this. And I know uh, for folks on the program who uh, we got a lot of Gator fans here, as you might suspect. Uh, yeah. And for folks who don't know, uh, Tim, his background's a sports writer. He covered it all. Uh, he covered everything. And back in those days, you 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 couldn't specialize, could you, Tim? 
You had to kind of know no, a little bit of everything, right? That's, that's the truth. I, I covered an Olympics, a summer Olympics in LA in 84. I don't know if you were there, buddy, but I didn't do a winter. I did but 84. We did do everything. Mm-hmm. That was you know, awesome. from, I think in Fort Lauderdale I had boxing, golf, soccer, TV, radio, uh, sidebar guy for the Dolphins, and picked up some spring training assignments, which you really dreaded those baseball guys. If they didn't know you, they wouldn't even look at you. So anyway, yeah, that was my schooling. To uh, to cover this great game of golf, and and then we we crossed paths many a time, and certainly uh, we crossed paths in uh, in Colorado when I was working at the International, and you were covering it as you did so so well. Um, but I just wanted to say, I know you got a show to do, okay? I understand. So I want to get the most out of you I can, Rosa Fort. I'm paying you a lot of money here, and I want to make sure I get something for my money, okay? Well, I appreciate you helping me out tell the Ted Potter Jr. story. So. Didn't help you out at all. Uh, you know, we're trying to get a global sense of it here. We've known Teddy, you know, I don't know him well, but my friend Randy Briggs, I think you talked to Randy. Uh, by the way, best to Randy's wife, Diana. She suffered an accident and had to have lemons, uh, ligaments in her hand, or her arm and hand stitched today and underwent surgery. So our best to Diana Briggs, but you talked to him and of course Randy knows his, knows the story of Teddy pretty good. And I believe you talked to Sherry, Teddy's wife, right? I did, as a matter of fact, yes, that's right. And uh, she's great. I remember talking to her before. We we did an interview out of Kapalua, coming off his win at Greenbrier for the for the winners. You know, first time he, he made that trip. That was what was that in twelve? He won, so I guess it was thirteen. And we we met in Hawaii, so we we reconnected. And yeah, she um, she's a good talker. You know, everybody's got a. My wife and I are total opposites. She sounds like she's a little different than than uh, Quiet Teddy. But um, as uh, as Greg said, he's low on the what did he say? He's not on the volume, but on the on the on the, on the talking meter. Basically, yeah. is what he was saying. But um, you know, doing doing some work. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that everybody loves him in, in the neighborhood up there in your in your community, and uh, you know how he kind of grew up without much and made it all on his own is is you know a great success story. I kind of like those. I like. People don't know about the guy that won on on Sunday. It's good to tell their story, and you know the bottom line. I think, as you know, buddy, everybody, the people that don't connect to that kind of story, though, they want to see Mickelson or or some of the big names, DJ or or who else was there, Jason Day. You know, having a rip at the green um, didn't take four minutes and ten seconds to decide to hit the shot either. You know, just <laughs> about and, and ripped away. But you know, the more. The more Ted wins, the more people will learn to appreciate him and love him. I think is the best way to understand it. You know, uh, you go back for long enough to remember this guy. His name was Miller Barber, and they called him Mr. X, and he had his own ways of playing. Teddy reminds me of him just a little bit. Chris Miller was a right-hander. Teddy's a left-hander, but in the sense that he was his own man. Like you said, I love that he walks up, hits the ball, and goes to the next shot. You gotta love that about golfers. It's gotten, you covered the game. As you know, it just gets so tedious out there forever. Guys lining, lining up a four footer nine different ways. You know, they take 20 minutes. I mean, the game is, you know, I don't have to tell you. I'm preaching as a choir here, but it's refreshing to see a guy like Ted Potter get up and hit a shot. Yeah. Um, well, you know, that probably comes from playing in those skins games out at Stone, don't, Stone there? Creek. Stone, Stone Creek. Yeah. You know, where, 16 bucks a hole, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's what he did the Friday before he went out on tour and won this big 
when the big check got his exemption and all that stuff that goes with it. So, um, you know, I'm sure it's, it's a creature habit. He's, he's been a guy who, um, you know, doesn't waste a lot of time on the driving range and it, cause he doesn't spend much time on the driving range. It's mostly playing. And so when he plays, he wants to get in as many holes as possible. And that's the vibe I got from doing a little mm-hmm. bit of reporting on him anyway. Yeah. All right. I know you got to go do a show. You're in a hurry. I take you appreciate it. Just give me a okay. global sense real quick. One final comment about, about Ted Potter. We all know it means the masters to him. You don't see a guy lay off the tour six years and come back and play like he did. I mean, uh, no. to break his head, just, just laying off, let alone the injury. Uh, what kind of a grit, what kind of a gut, what kind of a heart does a kid have to have to do something like that? Well, yeah, I mean, he was, we were talking about this today. I mean, not knowing whether he was going to be able to do what he did, whether he was going to come back the way that, that it sounds like everybody has surgeries and, you know, but the complications of this one really held him back. And um, you never know who's going to pass you on the money list, whether you're going to get your game back when you come back, how it's going to affect your swing, how it's going to affect you being able to walk. It's not like you can play out of a cart on the PGA Tour. And, um, you know, all those things, the self-doubt that creeps in your mind after being outside the bubble and trying to get back in is, is an element to it that, as confident as he is in his talent and his natural ability, because that's really what he is. He's kind of the natural. Um, you know, there's, there's still, there's still those doubts. There even is when you're, when you're healthy. So the injury factor, uh, is something tough to overcome. And, um, and he obviously has, and this is, this is just a taste of him. If he can stay healthy, uh, you know, I imagine, I don't think that this is going to be a, a two and done for him to, you know, including the Greenbrier win. I think I can see, Telling his story again, calling Ocala again, and uh, and doing this all over again. It's uh, I'm sitting here in the golf channel. He's up on four screens right now. <laughs> I think he's he's thinking you think he's a rock star for crying out loud. Yeah. Maybe maybe he becomes that someday. Maybe becomes you know like Boo Weekly or somebody like that. That you know people people kind of have a better appreciation for the more they see him in action and the more they the more they listen to him too. I know he's not very sexy, very colorful. I can hear the guys in the press tent saying, oh, no, we have to write about this guy. But you've always been one to look beneath all that and find the rules of the story. And I think you'll, I'm sure you will. You own Golf Channel at six tonight? Six o'clock tonight. We'll be talking, uh, about Teddy in the third, in the third block. So I'm going to go right now. I'm going to set my VCR for it right now. And I can't. Jaime, uh, Jaime's doing essays for us now. Jaime Diaz. You know, oh, yeah. Of course. I remember Jaime quite so well. Please say, give, uh, uh, please give. I just, I'll tell you, you said hello, but I just want to tell you, you did an essay and I'm going to follow it up with some comments and some of the reporting I did ah. today and yesterday. Thanks to you and Greg. So I appreciate it. Well, let me yes. just say one thing. The word reporter is one you don't hear much anymore and you are one of the best. So thank you for that. All right, my friend, go do Thanks, it. Thank you for Thanks your time. Thank it. you. All right. Thank All you very much. Take care. Bye. Right. Didn't want to pass up that opportunity there to. Get a man like of his stature. And I know some of you people out there are not golf fans and I apologize to those of you who are not. Uh, but, uh, around here, it's too big of a story. It's the biggest golf event ever won by an Ocala or Marion County or a Central Florida golfer. I don't count Doug Sanders back in the day, University of Florida, who won some big ones, but he wasn't a resident. He was a Texan. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Hello to you out there, uh, today and, Looking forward to chatting with 
Mike McGinnis in just a moment. Mike McGinnis is a former Gator athlete, former uh, coach and AD at Central Florida, uh, then community college, now Central, now Central Florida College. Uh, and he's the uh, program chairman for the uh, <clears throat> for the uh, uh, for the Ocala Quarterback Club, which, by the way, is a sponsor of today's show. Yes, give it up for the Ocala Quarterback Club. We so appreciate them supporting our show. Uh, that's Mike saying right now. He's waiting right now. Quarterback club, I'll call him as we're waiting. Uh, and the quarterback club, uh, involves some special people. We're so proud of the fact that, uh, that we had an increase in our membership this year at a time when quarterback clubs are going down. We almost doubled. We got some really cool things, uh, happening. And we want you to, uh, to know about them because some of you live in the area will want to be, take part. And lots of great plans here on this Monday presented by the Ocala Quarterback Club. And I believe we got the program chairman himself, Mike McGinnis on the phone now. Mike, is that you? <laughs> right here, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> Good, Mike. Just, I just got through talking to Tim Rosefort about a subject dear to your heart. And that's Ted Potter. Big win at the, uh, at the AT&T and $1.3 million richer, but more importantly, uh, now goes to the Masters and uh, his career is jump started. I know you know Ted. You, you used to run a bunch of golf courses around here, among other things you did, Mike. I know you were yeah. glad for Teddy. Yeah, we knew Ted when he was uh, playing at, high, at Lake Ware High School, and he still gets over to Pine Oaks occasionally when he's in town. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, what a what a neat neat afternoon. I was uh, we finished up the Marion Masters seniors yesterday, the twentieth one, and uh, I got home in time to. Watched just about the entire back nine, and I was just so proud for him. I don't mind telling you, I was a little nervous. I was hoping everything would come out fine, and boy, he just like a darn Trojan. He he got after it and took care of business. He did, he did, and I tell you what, you talk. They kept talking about his nerves. You know, I mean, he didn't show an ounce of any nerves whatsoever. I, I was, you and I were more scared than he was. I think so too. I've talked to several people today. They said, "Boy, I was pulling for him, and I was so nervous for him." Yeah. <laughs> the guys at the tournament were talking a little bit afterwards yesterday at the local tournament, and uh, kind of teasing uh, what the over and under would be with how many words Ted might say to uh, <laughs> Justin Johnson that day. He doesn't say much, as you might he know. Doesn't. He's very quiet. He speaks to himself mostly <laughs> yeah. and keeps to himself mostly. Yes. And it was maybe, uh, the over-under was like four. You'd say, uh, good morning and nice round when it was over. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, I was saying the other day that, uh, I was blessed to be able to receive the award that you won for the Rotary and the same award that Ted Potter won. Yeah, uh, yeah. and, and the reason I brought it up was is that when I was talking to some of the people there who were asking for information and they want to know everything about you, as you know, I, I'm sure people will bored to tears hearing about it, but, uh, I said, well, what do you say? And what do you, uh, what do you say? Well, you can say whatever you want to. You can, I said, I'd like to talk 10, 15 minutes. That's fine. Some people talk long. Some people don't talk much like Ted Potter. All Ted Potter says, I'm Ted Potter. I play golf. And thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was doing, I was waiting anxiously to see how the interview went with, uh, on, on, on yeah. the 72nd green there. When he did finished. all right. Yeah. He did. Marvelously well, and you could tell there was a little emotion involved there oh. as well. But golly, right. how cool was that? I right. was, I was really good for him. Speaking of how cool, <clears throat> how cool is it that we uh, have our quarterback club rolling right along now? 
And I want to give some props out to people who helped Mike, the program chairman. Great job, Mike, this year, the, the speakers. We had some of the best ever and great response. And of course, we, we have to thank uh, our, our friends, Wes Wheeler, Howie Robacher, Steve Lee, and Fred Lant, all of whom did a super job. And what I love about this group is they always want to keep rolling and doing it better and bigger and, and, and do more things and, and help others. Quarterback club is getting, having a little bit of a renaissance, Mike. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I'm, I'm not going to blow any smoke here, but it's going to sound like it. And I think it's up to you or because of you, not up to you. Um, once you grab this thing and start running with it and got that and did all the research, buddy, our numbers doubled. Uh, mm. membership numbers. I've been in there since 1983 as a member of the quarterback club and it was much, much larger back then. But then it got dwindled down and got to around 40 or 50 and we were over a hundred this year. Thanks to you. And there's no doubt about that. Well, let me just say uh, thank you for that. But the people who deserve the credit was through the marketing program, the people we call our club champions, like Dr. Frank Cannon. You know Dr. Cannon, Ocala Orthopedic, been here a long time, Bull Gator, great supporter of our community, who said, yeah, I want to help out. I want to be able to to put spend some money on marketing to tell the people about it, as did, by the way, others along the way. Uh, my good friend Butch Futch, who didn't have anything to advertise or sell, but he just saw it was neat to have the quarterback a little bit of attention. And Danny Williams, the Danny Williams appraisal team, um, and then Greg Ergel, Greg Ergel Financial Services, all made it possible to get the word out. Mike, you got to get the word out. That's what we hope to do here every Monday with this show being sponsored by the Ocala Quarterback Club. So I'm looking forward to it. I got some good news for you from the Ocala uh, Gator Tip-Off Club today, which I'll share with you a little later in the week. And uh, we're going and we're, we're just going and blowing here, man. We got a lot of things planned. By the way, uh, you can always personal message me here on this show if you'd like, and I can get you in touch with the right people. Or we'll find a way. You can go to, to Facebook, uh, the Ocala Quarterback Club. There's a Facebook page there too. You can talk, leave a, a, a name for, uh, for Steve Lee to get back to you and he will. So, so Mike, uh, good, good job on the Marion Masters once again. Um, and, uh, and give me one basketball story about when you played at Florida. What was your, what, what, what was your biggest game? How many points did you score in your biggest game? Uh, I got double figures a few times. I think maybe 13 up at Vanderbilt, uh, maybe over at Alabama. And that, it was a modest career, buddy. I was, um, I didn't have a, a Ted Potter situation. I didn't have any uh, screws put in my ankle, but I had some serious surgery. It took me out quite a bit in my senior year and I uh, was able to come back and play a few more games, but that's about it. I well, the biggest thrill was playing against Maravich. So, I know, and that's for another day. I, I mean, he's just one of my all-time favorites. I got it. I saw him play at the old Alligator Alley, and I yes. met his dad a few years before that. Spent an hour talking to his dad one time when he was Pete was in the eighth grade. He told me all about what he was going to do. I was like, "Yeah, there's a guy who's a proud daddy." Boy, he was he was more he was that more amazing. I, I could make a case for him to be the greatest basketball player I ever saw, but that's another story. So. And Dan, this was. I'm sorry to interrupt. That's you. right. Speaking of basketball, and you mentioned it, our tip-off club, which yeah. is it's our Marion County Gator tip-off club. Yeah. I just said um, uh, we meet three or four times a year, and it's Gator basketball specific. Nothing but. Yes. Coach White meets with us, and we have our last luncheon of this season. Yes. Tomorrow. Actually, it's tomorrow, the 13th, at uh, out at the Weber Center. And I'll be there. And I remember. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I'll be there too. And uh, for those guys that uh, are members of the club, that's a little over. 
Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great if we could somehow uh, throw in together with them and do a few things for the tip off club? Which who knows? Maybe we will. That'd yeah. be cool. Hey, Mike, thanks so much, my friend. We'll do this regularly every now and then. Thanks for spending time. I know you got a busy charitable event downtown, and you do so many good things in the community. And thank you for spending time. And uh, dilly dilly, just say dilly dilly. I'll tell you what it means later. <laughs> okay, dilly dilly. <laughs> All right, Mike McGinnis. Thanks very much, Mike. I appreciate that. <clears throat> well, uh, coming up here at the top of the hour, David Moulton, who is one of the top football minds for a, a commentator that I've, I've ever been around. He works with Gary Danielson and uh, Brad Nestler in the press box on Saturdays, but he does his own talk show down in Southwest Florida. Uh, the Fox called the Miller Moulton show. Been doing a number of years. Uh, I listened to him when I lived down in Punta Gorda. Uh, I think David is just extraordinary when it comes to talking about most anything in sports, but also especially football and especially the SEC. I was traveling to Gainesville the other day for the, uh, National Recruiting Day 2, and I turned on the SPNU to find something. I don't normally listen to it that much. And I heard this voice that sounded familiar. Hosting a show with Danny Cannell. I know it's a dirty word around here, some of you. Uh, and it was my friend David Moulton. And I listened a full minute and a half, two minutes before I realized I was saying to myself, who is this guy? He's pretty good. I realized it was David Moulton, my buddy, who's on with me quite often. Uh, and, uh, David Moulton is a special guy. He's going to talk some recruiting, some football, maybe a little Ted Potter because he likes golf too. He'll be joining us at the top of the hour here in about six or seven minutes. Now, I do not have commercial breaks here, but we do like to pay proper respect to our friends who support us, and, and that includes our friends at Daniel L. Hightower. And we always like to say Daniel L. Hightower, a lawyer, fighting for accident victim justice since 1976. Um, and I'm going to tell you more about Daniel, as we go along during the week, he's also a special friend of mine, someone whose company I enjoy, someone whose conversation I enjoy, and he doesn't like to come on and blow his own horn, so we won't do that, but we will have a chance to share a few stories with Dan. He's got some good ones, funny ones, uh, and not, it's not funny when it comes to law, however, and Daniel L. Hightower, a lawyer fighting facts and victim justice, uh, is takes it seriously. And he also does a terrific job with pro bono work. You know what pro bono work is? Kind of what I do with radio. It means for free, <laughs> helping people. But I want to say I've got a chance here and uh, say hello to, to Nat or Nate Blaylock. What is it, Nat? Nat or Nate? I don't know. Steve Flatman, uh, who's always there. Steve, we'll talk to you. Alexander Perez, one of our loyalists. Uh, Joey McBrayer. Hello, Dilly Dilly to you, Joey. Brendan Martin, he's back with... Uh, House Studios tonight. He'll be joining me later in the week. Richie Robinson out there in Louisiana. Richie did a good thing with uh, signing on all those people. Tell us about who you are and what your first Gator experience was. That was a good post. Kevin Zeminski Sr., Dilly Dilly Go Gators. David Soderquist. Good to hear from you, David. Um, let's see who else I got here. Bill Pace, Dilly Dilly. Rodney Goodman. Um, Josh Each, Dilly Dilly. John Terrell, good evening to you, my John. 
Chris Gardner, Dilly Dilly. Hey, Nick Robinson, my old friend, is on for today. Good to talk to you. David Baldoff, Dilly Dilly. So glad to hear you. Today I went into a place here in town and, uh, who, and, and had a chance to, uh, to talk to some people, some friends of mine have been around here a long time. And they're not people who are Facebook users. And over the weekend, I had the similar experience. I said, well, where are you on the radio? I said, well, I'm not on the radio per se, but I am on the radio. Hello to Becky Smith Carlisle and Chris Tecubilis. Hello, Chris. How's things in March? I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. Uh, Joby Mitchell, Dilly Dilly. And I explained to them where we were. I said, I'm on all digital now. And, uh, yes, Urban Meyer tomorrow, Joey, we're going to have him. Um, and told them that we're not going to be on traditional radio. Well, my friend at church, Peggy, said, oh, well, I, I'm going to have a hard time. I, I don't like to listen to Facebook. I don't join, join Facebook. I said, well, I'm really sorry, Peggy. And her husband said, well, I listen to it. I'll watch it. And I, she said, can I get it on the radio? Uh, and, yes, uh, I said, uh, you can. And then it occurred to me, we are on TuneIn Radio. Now, it's a podcast, slightly delayed, but we're on TuneIn Radio, the Buddy March show. So if you want to hear the podcast and you can't, you don't want to go on Facebook, and you're not a Facebook member, which she's not, just download the app. It's free. Tune in. You get any radio station. Type in the Buddy Martin Show, and our podcast will arrive within probably hours, if not minutes, after we're done. Uh, and you'll be able to play it right there on your device or your computer or whatever, if that works for you. Now, we'll have other ways to do this. Uh, we're going to continue to get to learn as we're going along. But right now, we're very pleased at the progress, pleased with the fact that you found us, that we're able to reach a number of people. You've got to tell your friends, though. And I did this today in my in a place called Southside Deli in Ocala. I explained to them, here's what you tell your friends. Get their phone out. Go to Facebook. First of all, they don't have Facebook. Download Facebook. Get with the 21st century. Download Facebook. And go up in the little grid at the top there, where it's blank, and write the Buddy Martin Show. And it will come up. And then you'll be able to hear us. Like the page. Click on the page like and it will give you automatic notifications when we're going live. And for you folks out there, you know this is the truth, that we come at you all hours of the night and all days and late night dilly-dilly and all that stuff. So uh, that's how you find us, all right? And tell your friends that's how you do it and like the page and go on. We'll have other ways, other things, many, many, a uh, lot of great news going on with <clears throat> things we're working on, some stuff. If it, come off, if it comes off like we think it will, it is going to be awesome. And thank you, Chad Rich. How are you? I talked to your brother yesterday. It was your sister-in-law who was concerned about getting on Facebook. So, yeah, walk them through it, will you, Chad? Tell them how to do it. And uh, we're going to continue to do this. We think this is the smartest thing we've done in a long time. We're going to be able to reach more people, a better audience. Um, and <clears throat> we're get past the idea. My son says, well, you know, you want your security blanket, the radio. And I've been doing radio a long time, and I will admit it's kind of a, a security blanket. But we had to make a decision, okay? And it wasn't a good business decision to continue the model that we had. So we had to make the choice, and we did. And we're grateful for all the people we work with in radio, off and on. As a matter of fact, I used to own part of that station. So uh, Joey McBrayer says it's Gorilla Radio. Yeah, I love the digital format. You're right, Joey. We just got to get out there. The gorilla's got to get out there and tell the world about it. And uh, so uh, let's... Uh, 
Let's do that. Joby, we're going to be talking about basketball in South Carolina. You're right. It was a terrific game. But Franz Beer, Mr. Kyle's basketball, will join us here. And, yes, Urban Meyer will be here tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Brady Ackerman will be with me tomorrow at 545. Brady Ackerman is my new co-host and partner on Tuesdays. Is that pretty good, Brady Ackerman? I think so. And I'm very proud to announce that uh, Daniel L. Hightower is a sponsor for Daniel L. Hightower Wednesday. Every week, he'll be the sponsor all day long, including any pop-up shows. Daniel L. Hightower, logger, fighting for accidents and victim justice since 1976. Thank you for the good people over there. They've been such great supporters. Carol and the whole gang over there. And uh, it means a great deal to us in more ways than you'll ever know. Watch the uh, Winter Olympics. We won't get into that right now. We'll talk a little more about it later. Uh, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and see if I can get a hold of David Bolton, and uh, we will uh, give him a quick ring and and see if we can get talking about some things that you might like. And I think you'll find David entertaining. I know I do. And this is soon we'll be able to. We can almost do it now. Dial in, David. You're live on the Buddy Martin Show. How are you? Good, David. Imagine my surprise. Tooling up the highway. On Thursday, looking for some kind of news on recruiting, when I flipped on ESPNU and heard the dulcet tones of one David Bolton. Good job. Oh, thanks. Well, Danny Cannell and I just, you know, doing the, uh, the second act, if you will, of recruiting, which needless to say is not nearly as busy as the first act anymore. Well, there was a lot of information needed, though, and you guys did a pretty good job of sorting it out. Danny was a little slow on the uptake on a few things, but uh, you straightened him out, and uh, he did okay. As you know, Gator fans, he's not one of their favorites. But then again, there's a natural enmity there between the Knoll and the Gator. Uh, and uh, how did you run across Danny? Does he do that show every Tuesday or every Thursday? Uh, that's Jason Horowitz and Danny Cannell do that show one to four every day, so mm-hmm. I was just filling in for Jason. Your old producer works here, right? Or does he work up at, uh, no, he works up at, uh, uh No, he, he's the program John. director of that channel. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, that's cool, man. I like to see, hear you on there more often and, uh, it was good stuff. Nice job. And, uh, I don't know. I know you follow more than football. I was just talking to Tim Rosefort from Golf Channel about the days when we actually covered all kinds of sports, including the Olympics, where you got to cover about 20 sports. And you covered football and baseball and basketball and tennis and all that car racing and horse racing and so on. So unheard of today, I suppose. Um, but, uh, you, you, you're versatile. You specialize in college football, a little bit of pro football, and, but you like all sports. What's your second favorite sport besides college football? Uh, well, it's funny you mentioned Rosa Ford because, you know, I'm a huge golf guy. I do, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I did the Masters last year. I do, yeah. uh, the USGA events with uh, Joe Buck for Fox. So, yes. you know, um, played, played golf growing up. It was pretty decent. So, you know, love golf. Well, good. You can share it. Enlighten me on your thoughts about one Ted Potter Jr. Uh, well, boy, did he go low on Saturday. Wow. My goodness. I mean, you know, when you're 12 under through 16 at Pebble, I mean, that's, that's pretty ridiculous. What was impressive to me was a lot of times, 
you know, people don't follow up when they go low. You know, oftentimes you see like when Justin Thomas shot 63 at the U.S. Open, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't break par the next day. I mean, it's difficult to even have a solid round the round after you go low. And he obviously followed up his 62 with a with a really good round, got off to a great start and part his way in. You know, it's kind of refreshing to see a guy step up and just hit the ball, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my goodness, buddy. I mean, they're talking about a pitch clock in baseball. I I don't know if there's a sport that needs to pick up the pace of play oh, more than golf. For sure. I agree with you 100%. And it's one of the things that really is hurting golf, I think, uh, more than the golfers realize it. Now, here's a question for you. I was asked by one of my listeners, uh, did we – I never saw this. He said, I never saw – Dustin Johnson shake hands with Ted Potter. Did you? Oh, I'm I'm sure it happened. Uh, I I have to admit, I once Potter put it on the green, I stopped watching on 18. Mm. I mean, I knew it was over, but I, I can't imagine that it didn't happen. Well, I watched it all the way through, and I didn't see it. But you know, I don't make a big thing. I'm mean, this was a guy who's a coach, by the way. He brought this up to me, uh, and I, I don't usually make a big deal over who shakes hands. To me, it's like it's ceremonial anyway. It's nice and all that. If you don't happen to see the guy, you can't, whatever, then it's okay. But by, but by the same token, uh, uh, I, I watched him all the way to, to the trailer and Dustin was probably so mad at himself because he couldn't get anything going. I don't know why. This is a small point. So, but here's the thing. And I think this is the, you know, and again, we get a little more excited here around our town because of who Ted is. Uh, he's a bit of a recluse, as you might know. Um, but he he took the Giants in the game and held them at bay and won by four shots. Someone had a stat up. Might have been it might have been Nance who who gave him a stat. And said of the group behind him in top tens, they had like I want to make up a number three hundred eighty five top tens, and Teddy had two. Well, I mean, you know, three of the four who were in second there. You know, Dave Mickelson and Dustin Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, they all might end up in the World Golf Hall of Fame. I admit, yeah. so already in it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, you know, I mean, if he doesn't win another event, just, just to, you know, have that grouping in second yeah. place, you know, is yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. All right. So, so let's switch the subject a second here. We have a lot of Gator fans wanting to know stuff, uh, the, on the Gator Nation Kingdom here. They're all out there waiting for you to shed some wisdom on them there. Uh, and in looking back at the, not a very good transition, but looking back at, uh, at National Signing Day and then both of them, you and I have discussed this on my regular old radio show a number of times. Uh, and we talked about what we expected with Mullen, how we both think he's the right guy. Both you were out there with it early saying that you thought he was the guy. Yeah, you were on him and, and I love the comment made by Brady Ackerman. I probably said this five or six times. I guess Brady didn't come up with that many things. So when he has it, when I have to use it, he's on the radio with me tomorrow, by the way. I'm setting him up, but he said, it's almost like Dan Mullen's been watching us from afar. And when he hit the ground here with chomping off the airplane, everything has just gone beautifully for him. And there's some kind of synchronicity. I don't know what the right word is. Something going on there with Mullen. Whereas he didn't get an A plus class. When you throw in the transfer wide receivers, when you throw in the scarlet, uh, you know, the knucklehead four or whatever, and you look at it right now, I'd say they're in pretty darn good shape right now, all things considered. What do you think? Well, 
first off, if, if he had been here three years and he had put together this class, it would have been okay. But the fact was he was here three weeks and had to have, you know, an early signing period. I mean, you know, the one year that Dan Mullen probably didn't want an early signing period turns out to be this year when he could have used it, you know, in previous years at Mississippi State, but he didn't need it this year. Uh, I thought Dan did a terrific job. And, yeah, I, you know, I'm a big Dan Mullen guy. I, I, he was my choice. I thought he was the perfect choice at the perfect time for Florida. And, you know, buddy, I just think a lot of it is Dan's natural personality. You know, he, Gator fans are confident, bordering on cocky. So's Dan. All right. Mm-hmm. Gator fans know what they want. Dan really knows what he wants. All right. And Dan's coaching style and the way he wants his team to play is how Florida fans want to see their team to play. So to me, this is hand in glove here. Now, with all that being said, they're two years behind Georgia in talent. I mean, they are. Now, he's gotten some skilled players, and he's going to be able to score some points. And can they stay on the field with Georgia? Yeah, I think they can. But make no mistake about it, Georgia has signed more four- and five-star guys in two years than Florida has signed damn near this decade. I mean, Florida's playing catch-up here, but they got the right guy to do it, and he can coach, and his teams will not back down, and that's very important. Thought just crossed my mind, David Moulton, by the way, from um, Miller Bolton and Fox Sports, uh, in, in Fox uh, South West Florida. Uh, what, what's the call letters that station? I'm sorry, I should have looked it up. Oh heck, I, I don't even know. Okay, well then I don't feel quite so bad. <laughs> but anyway, it's Miller Bolton. Everybody knows that show. Um, you've been there doing it forever. Um, but where I was going with this was just suspend your belief system right now and think about this. Everything is possible from here. You're not out of the realm of possibility of almost anything happening with this team right now. If they continue to get better, don't get injured, get coached up, and start playing as a team. I've seen things happen that, you know, weirder than this. This team, I don't want to say they're going to go to the SEC championship game. They might. I think they could be in contention right away. And that means nine wins. I mean, they're eight to nine. That's, that's the, that's a Pollyannish, that's optimistic viewpoint. I'm just saying what is possible, not what will happen and not predicting it. But you stop and think about it and you've got a good analytical mind, David. You know, I'm not blowing smoke. I'm not raving my pom poms here. I have this distinct feeling there are things very possible that haven't been possible for a long time because A, They've done a good job of recruiting and they're coaching up and they're making the game fun again. They're bringing the fans back to the swamp. That is big to me. Yeah, but I, I would I would rather take the different approach. I would rather be cautious this first year. You know, I think it's more likely that he has a Kirby Smart type of first year where it's more like eight wins, but you see the potential at various points in time during the season. But, buddy, you're right. I mean, you know, there's a chance that they're favored in 10 of the 12 games they play. You know, let's face it, buddy. If Florida can find a quarterback 
and actually look representative on offense. I mean, it may be hard to hold Gator fans down. It, it, it's been since last decade that they actually felt like they could turn on the TV and be entertained, for goodness sakes. Even when they were winning, they were winning in a style that they didn't like, and they were winning in a style in which you could see where the ceiling was, and there was no way to broach it. You know, I mean, let's let's let them develop a quarterback, though. I mean, can we just get a competent quarterback for the Gators. We had one for five games. His name was Will Greer. That's the only one we've had in the last seven seasons since, I mean, John Brantley's the most competent quarterback this yeah. decade outside of Will Greer's five games. Let's just develop a quarterback. I'm with you there. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that idea. I think the thing was the key words you used were turn on the television set. And I think what people have done is started turning off the television set. And I I think the difference is, you know, you've heard people say about a couple that that doesn't get along, married couple or or together, whatever. They they love each other, but they don't like each other. I don't think I think there are a lot of Gator fans who don't like the Gators right now for what they've been through with. They're ready for something else to happen, and I think it could happen. I, I, I just, I keep coming away from, I have to check myself every time I come away from Gainesville with Mullen. I get that feeling and Brady Ackerman reminds me what I said three games in with Urban when he laughed at me. I said, I'm all in on Urban Meyer and he almost laughed me off the show. I said, I got this feeling about him and I didn't say it about the next two guys and I'm beginning to get the same kind of feeling about but Dan Mullen. It's just me. I, I call me crazy. That's how I'm feeling. But the one thing that is important to keep in consideration is that in the past, all Gator fans had to do was worry about their program because their program had the highest ceiling, particularly in the East and at times in the SEC. That's not necessarily the case right now. You know, Florida can get it rolling again and still only be equal to what's rolling up in Athens. And that's new. I mean, you know, this is a new phenomenon for all of us. George has only been elite three times in the last 35 years. And that was when number 34 was their tailback. You know, so this is a whole new animal for all of us where Florida could get all the players they want and be coached up and be really, really good and look across and the other guys could be just as good. That hasn't been the case in the last 25 years at all. Whenever Florida had their act together, they were always better than Georgia. That may not be the case going forward. At best, they may be equal. So that's a new phenomenon. You know, David, I like you and I respect you, but I'm going to take you back a little bit, old school. And if you don't have this, I'll bring a copy of the book for you to read about it, all right? I go back to a ways, and I can remember before Steve Spurrier, and I remember what it was like during those, the worst of the times and the best of times. And I can tell you that when Spurrier came here, Nobody thought he'd turn things around as fast. Nobody, including me. And when he picked Shane Matthews as a quarterback, I thought, what what is he doing? Uh, I'm one of his biggest fans. But what we're beginning to see, and you see, Spurrier knew right off the bat, he had a vision, knew what he wanted to do. He he got made football fun again. He got the fans all all excited again. And that's a, a similar personality of Dan Mullen. Now, he's no Steve Spurrier, okay? But he's got some of the traits. When you bring the fans back into the game, 
and I can feel it with the people I'm around, you change things. Things can be changed. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying all things are possible as we sit here today on February, what is it, 12th? And, uh, and we'll just see where it goes from here. Just a little gut check time. All right. I, I'll say this, though. Spurrier is a legendary coach. And also Steve Spurrier was so far ahead of his time that he changed college football, and he certainly changed the SEC. Hey, it's tough to find a bigger Dan Mullen fan than me. But he ain't revolutionizing the SEC the way that. No, but he did lead the SEC West for how many weeks? Number one in the nation for a while in Starkville, Mississippi. Okay. Oh, hey, buddy, you know you you were yelling at me when I was so emphatic (laughs) that Dan Mullen was. No one yelling at you. You can't find a bigger Dan Mullen guy than me. All right, but but it's a little different animal right now. Because of what's going on in Athens, that's not something Florida said. Well, listen, that's what they said about it in 1991 and two when they said they had all these great players in Georgia. And there's a story written up in the red and black uh, about how they had all these wonderful players they they racked up, um, and 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 they wrote these stories with the glowing talent. And Spurrier beat them, and they finally said, "Well, I don't know what happened to all those good players they had." You know, they, they were out recruiting Spurrier then. And so uh, the story's been written before. It's not brand new, and we'll see. But Uncle Dave, I love you. I, you know, I, 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 I know you know what you're talking about. And thanks for keeping me in check because sometimes I'm just a little tired of the things that have been going on since Urban Meyer left. By the way, and oh yeah, it hasn't been fun. I mean, even when they've won, you know, three trips. Well, two trips to Atlanta, and the other was an eleven and one regular season. Yeah, and at no point in time during any of those three seasons, that's correct. Were the Gators fun to watch. That's right. You're right. You're exactly right. So, and we'll have Urban on tomorrow night. We'll get his take on a few things. So, all right. All the fans wish uh, David Moulton a dilly dilly, and thank you, and thanks for coming on with us, David. And uh, we can go online and hear your show, right? Yeah, FoxSportsFM.com. Fox FoxSportsFM.com. Miller and Moulton. Yep. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, thank you, David. Talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Be yeah. good. Thank you. Dave Moulton, before I get Franz Beard here in just a minute, look at some of my notes. We had, uh, you know, if you watch the Olympics, Winter Olympics, I've been watching them pretty regular. Franz Beard coming up in just a minute. And will they please tell me how they're scoring this ice dancing? Do you like ice dancing? Do you watch it? Well, my wife loves ice dancing, and I like it okay. And sometimes you have to share the clicker. We have more than one TV. But look, if you want to remain married and you want to stay, have a good, you got to watch their programs sometimes so they can watch yours and you can have this little thing going. At least fake interest in them. Well, I'm watching this ice dancing, and I'm saying... I don't understand the scoring on this. And last thing all I wanted to know was, was it enough to overtake first? And then they cut away, and I still didn't know what happened. And look, I've been studying scores for a half a century in sports. I kind of know what a score looks like, okay? But they got me so confused over the scoring and ice dancing. Are the little green lights, what do they mean? And then quickly they, they keep somebody's name at the top, and then they... Bring the scoring in, and you say, "Okay, she has to have this many points to be able to do it." And they flash these points on the screen. They don't. T- I mean, 
I just think you do a lot. You got to know the score, right? You got to be able to tell the score. People in the Olympic Committee, give us the score so we can understand it. We might be able to follow it closer. Okay? I'm just saying. I thought that little girl from California last night in the red dress was spectacular. The one that did the, what is a quadruple axle or whatever. Well, that was something else. Brittany Bow, Ocala Zone. She, she speed skated today in 1500. She didn't, uh, she didn't medal. Uh, she's going to go again. I got her scheduled for my friend Leslie Scales Holloway. <clears throat> she goes again on the 14th on Valentine's Day. <clears throat> um, at, uh, five, oh boy, five to six thirty a.m. Uh, and then again at eight to eleven thirty. Then she skates again on the 18th at noon. And then they have 19th, they have some team things. Anyway, that's just to give people a, a little information there. I thought the story was really interesting about Mara Nagusa. Became the third woman in Olympic history and the first woman in the United States land a triple axle jump during her figure skating program. Um, she clinched the bronze for the figure skating team when she did this. And, and she took this thing into another level. Um, her parents out in California who raised her to be disciplined, Kyoto and Akuko, were dedicated to their craft so much that they had to work during the dinner rush hour at their California sushi restaurant, Kaiyu Suzu, while their daughter had was skating. So they didn't get to watch it. Wow. Too bad. Too bad. A reminder that tomorrow, Brady Ackerman's on with me. And uh, we will have St- Urban Meyer uh, tomorrow at 6. He racked up again. I think he second in recruiting, right, guys? You know that. Um, and then... Um, Hopefully, Coach Spurrier on Wednesday and other things going on. We may hook up with another Gator, some Gator podcasters that look pretty interesting. We're trying new things here. We hope you like it as we um, as we go up on our way. So, anyway, uh, if you have any questions or thoughts, log on here and give them to us now for friends. What a win. What a win by the Gator basketball team. Where are you folks that are all saying, fire Mike White? Where'd you go? Hmm? Fire Mike White. His team played, they blew South Carolina out on their home court. And they were spectacular. Where has that team been? Like we said all along, if they could ever hit their threes and all get together and, and play like they're capable of, this team can beat anybody anytime, anywhere. And they showed South Carolina. South Carolina's been in a tailspin. That was her, like, what, fourth straight loss? So, anyway, I'm going to get you some good information from Mr. College Basketball. Who wants to hear from France? Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll grab the whole France here pretty quick and see what he's got to say. France Beard, Mr. College Basketball. We'll get his take on recruiting. Anything else, Gator? Interesting day to day. For you folks who are not golf fans, I apologize. But, um, hey, um, you know, we have to talk about all sports here on this show. So, yeah, great win, Steve, and also uh, Joby. Let's see if Mr. France Bird is available. Um, do you hear, is he there, France? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. 
Thank you. How are you, sir? Doing well, thank you. I gotta, I gotta well, give you. The neighborhood. <laughs> I gotta give you a congratulations and almost a semi-apology, not to mention a, a lunch. You called the shot beautifully on South Carolina, and you said they could beat South Carolina in Columbia. And I said, eh, I don't think so. You said, well, they could. Uh, and I said, I'll tell you what, I'll bet you lunch. I'll take South Carolina even and give you Florida. You said, you're wrong. And you not only did that, but you also mentioned that they need to get some play out of Okuro and a few other people. And who stepped up, played big? Okuro. And, and, and at one point, I thought, I told you this earlier, this is what limited knowledge I have, you know more than I do about it, is that when he played the point and he gave, uh, uh, he gave Chi-Chi a little rest at the two-guard position, uh, they, he rid well and did okay with it. So, um, yeah, for freshmen, didn't we're he? We're going to see that more of that because they put him on the court at the point very effectively when Chioza's in there with him because if he runs into a little bit of a problem, Chioza's there to bail him out and can reset the offense. And I, I, you know, every freshman has to go through, every freshman point guard just about has to go through that because, uh, when they're in high school, they get by on talent and, you get up to the SEC level and everybody's talent. Uh, so you, at some point in time, experience takes over and, and you gotta combine the two and it's a learning process. He's got one of the best people in the world to learn from. And, and I give Chris a lot of credit because I think that he has, uh, he's been mentored and he is now working as a mentor. He, I, I think he's the ultimate team guy. That's why I think Chris Chioza, to me, is hands down the MVP of the Southeastern Conference this year. Friends, what's amazing is, is the change you notice when he goes off the floor at both ends of the court. His, he's like, I don't know, so what's some of them do a plus minus on him when he's in the game? Because he, he, he makes so much difference in that game. When he's not in, they just don't have the confidence. They can't shoot the ball as well. Their defense is not as good. Nobody gets the steals. He is such a difference maker as a player, isn't he? Well, I think so. And I'll give you a play that, that uh, you know, I, I guarantee it went largely unnoticed the other day. Uh, first half, ball going out of bounds. Uh, bound, it's deflected off the gator. Chioza out of nowhere goes flying through the air, flips it back in uh, to Kulachov, Kulachov over over to the wing to, uh, to Kevon Allen. Uh, Kevon Allen then hits, uh, hits Kavarius Hayes, and Hayes gets a dunk. You know, it, that doesn't show up in the stats as an assist, but it's a play that Chioza makes it just because he is so aware, and he hustles. And he and he he got he not only saves the ball he gets it into somebody and then it's like boom boom and and they make the pass when he when he is is on the floor everybody plays with more intensity he is the guy that sets that tone and Saturday I think he set the tone in more ways than one he set the tone obviously defensively but 
if you notice, he didn't take too many shots. Most of his shots he took were just driving the basketball when he had openings. And I think everybody kind of took their cue from that because they only shot 13 three balls. They did not get enamored from the three-point line. And instead, they drove the basketball. They got uh, Silva and, and the other big guy in foul trouble in doing that. They controlled the game because of what he did. He set the example, and, and that set the tone for the whole game. I, I think he was easily the MVP of that ball game, even though he didn't have a, what some would guess would be an MVP stat line. Franch, you made a statement. This is a passing statement last time we talked. And I, I meant to address it then. And it's something I've thought for a long time. And not to aggrandize, uh, you know, Chi-Chi, making him somebody that, you know, Bob Cousy or something, although he's nominated for the Bob Cousy Award. Um, it, 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 now looking back, you may, in retrospect, maybe Billy Donovan made a mistake. Maybe Casey should have sat and chose us to have been the starter. What would that have changed? How would that have changed things? Well, I think in retrospect, a lot of people look at that, but I will say this about Casey Hill and and Mike. Uh, Mike had an elite defender in Casey Hill. He got a lot of knocks on his offense, but I got to tell you something. There's no knocking him as a defensive player. He will go down as one of the finest defensive guards we have ever had at the University of Florida. Um, the offense is better and was better, I think, last year when Chioza is on the court because Chioza can knock down the shots that Casey can't make and won't make. But I, I think that that from a standpoint of, of being an elite defensive uh, player, Casey Hill will never get enough credit for that. But I think from a standpoint of making the offense go, I think Chris should have gotten more minutes. Uh, I agree with that. All right, got a couple of people who want to address you, and then we're going to talk about every Meyer. Um, John Kerr, our good buddy John Kerr, up there in Georgia, says, Friends, I need a win against UGA. I'm surrounded by the flea must here in Atlanta. Can you help him? Well, I, I, think, the, I think the poodles are going to go down. And I call them the poodles because the bulldog is a noble animal, and they are the poodles to me. Uh, yeah. But I think the Poodles are going to go down. I think we're going to see a third straight game in which Florida plays lights out defense. Um, these guys don't want to lose another home game. Uh, they really don't. I think they've been embarrassed that they've lost home games. And uh, if they play with that same defensive intensity that they played the other night and they understand that, that winning on offense means it's that you, if they take one thing away, you go to you go to your second option. You don't just keep forcing up uh, three pointers, which is what they've had a tendency to do in the past. This was the thing, buddy, in that South Carolina game that impressed me so much. They didn't force up the three pointers. They were four for thirteen, but you saw the same game I saw, and they had four balls that did everything but go down. Uh, and, and, you know, in retrospect, maybe that's a good thing because had those shots gone down, they may have just gotten enamored with the three-point game and just started firing, you know, at will. But they, you know, they were judicious in their shooting. 
they took the ball to the rack um, and, and, and just pounded South Carolina unmercifully, and they made South Carolina pay with fouls and, and so forth like that. They, they just destroyed that defense. And Frank Martin is a great defensive coach, uh, which is evidence by the fact Florida only scored 65 points in that game, but I think it was 65 very efficient points. I was, I was very, very impressed with what Florida did. I think your low post defense was the best I've seen all year long. Gag had some of that for six minutes. He was in. But boy, those, uh, those other players were, they had their hands all over the ball. Uh, Silva, as you said, got in foul trouble. They did an excellent job defending down low without a big man. I, that was to me key. I said they got it. Well, they get ahead about 24 in the first half, whatever it was. Ridiculous. I mean, they just blew them out. They, they held, <clears throat> they, they held South Carolina to 21 points in the first half, 20 in the second. We had 10 block shots, but get this, by six different players. Well, this is the thing is, is, you know, usually you, you, the guy you, you equate with the block shots is Kavarius Hayes. Well, he had a couple. So that means that five other guys accounted for eight block shots. Uh, Keith Stone had three. Gak got a block shot. So, and so on. Uh, Dante Bassett came off the bench and had two. Now that's another guy that I think is gaining some confidence. And if he can play, if he can do what he did the other day, which is to give them, give them, uh, I think he had four or five points and he had seven rebounds and a couple block shots. If he can give them that production off the bench, that's, you know, they're going to win belt. They will win ball games because, uh, he was, really, really, really actively involved in the defense. Um, what made the defense work, though, buddy, was they helped. They got the other guys in foul trouble, but they they kept their own guys. Florida kept its own big guys out of foul trouble, and they did it because, because the guards collapsed. This was the first game I've seen uh, – where the other than the Kentucky game, this was the first time I've seen it all year that the guards really did their part in collapsing and making it very very difficult for the, the South Carolina big guys to, to turn. And when you can, here's the thing: you, you if you collapse and passively, and the ball gets into that low post, the guy can still turn and find somebody. Mm-hmm. When you have an aggressive uh, when you have an aggressive double team that cuts off his ability to turn, he cannot pass the ball out of that double team. Silva had no, and Kotze had no place to go with the ball because the double team was so aggressive and cut off their ability to to make the turn and find something. And they kept Booker. Uh, they, they kept Booker from heating up too because he can light it up when he gets going. Yes, <clears> they <throat> did. Uh, and, and see, that's the other part of it is if you double down and you don't give a guy a chance to pass the ball out, then it's easier when it, when the ball does go out, it's a whole lot easier for the defense to recover and you still get your guy on the perimeter. Yeah. So see, this is why, why it was so important. The way, not only the fact that they got the double down, it was the way they got the double down. Yeah. And, and I, it was just it was absolutely, it was a clinic and good defense is what it was. Yeah, you got a lot of play on your poodle's name. A lot of people liked it. Uh, yeah, and Steve and the gang is also, they love the poodles. So you got, you got uh, some fans there with the poodles comment. Uh, well, and, and I, and I got to tell something else to, to all the Gator fans out there. 
It's D-O-G-S. We are gators. We can spell. <laughs> you hate it when they write D-A-W-G-S. I know that. <clears throat> you used to go uh, crazy. Yeah, yeah, you went yeah, crazy yeah, in yeah, gator yeah. country when people wrote dogs. Ah, there are no dogs around here, you say. So, um, uh, I, I, you know, it's D-O-G-S, you know. I mean, you, it, you, know, you want to start D-A-W-G-S and you think it's cool. But I mean, you know, all I got to say is, you know, there's a redneck born every minute. Oh, boy, there you go. I should never have said that. Eric Stutz says, hello, dilly dilly, and loves his show. Richie Robinson says, hello. All the gang, uh, Richie says Hayes was a beast. You know, if Hayes, if Hayes had hands that could catch the ball, especially below his knees. He can't throw any low passes. He just can't. He just can't grasp them. Bless his heart. He's a fighter. He, he, he's, he would hustle his butt off and he, he got in there and mixed it up. And I love him for that. But gosh, it drives me crazy when he can't hold the ball. Do you, do you know, buddy, he's a perfect example of a kid was very poorly coached in high school. Um, and like a lot of big kids that you see in high school, uh, teammates say, well, he's big enough, he can go get his own rebounds. You know, and if he wants the ball, let him get it when we're going to just launch. Mm-hmm. And he was on a team that routinely, uh, first guy across the court who touched the ball, shot it up. And Kavarius, if he wanted the ball, he had to, he had to rebound it and put it back up. Um, but he was not well coached and played on a on a team that was a very very selfish ball club. I saw him play in high school, and I saw, and he he really really where he is now is light years away from where he was out of high school. I'm hoping that his by the time he gets to his senior year, that the hands are the next part that develops. Because you're absolutely correct about him not being able to catch the basketball and, and it drives you crazy and uh, uh, and the other thing that drives me crazy with him is he is a, he is such a fine leaper we've seen that when he blocks shots he's a tremendous leaper and he needs to trust his ability to just go up and dunk it stick it in somebody's face and he hesitates and he gives the other guys a chance to go up and block his shot and he doesn't need to do that worried about ladies softball before I talk to you at every mark off to a good start now. What do you think? What does it look like? Give us five and zero. They outscored opponents forty-two to three. Beat Michigan, which was an eighteenth-ranked team in a regular uh, at the Cot Women's College World Series. Beat them two to nothing. Uh, Amanda Lorenz hitting five hundred already. She's just ripping the cover off the ball. Uh, watch the freshman Jordan Matthews already two homers, ten RBIs. Uh, and the kid that is just really going to make be a, such a difference maker this year. Her, her, uh, offensive game is caught up with her glove and that shortstop Sophie Reynoso. Um, you know, some teams don't rebuild, they just reload. And mm-hmm. Florida is in a reload mode. And Gators are, they're going to make it to the Women's College World Series. And I hope that this is the year, uh, that they get back to winning national championships. I think they, I think they're as good as, if not better, than Oklahoma. One final thing before we switch to Urban Meyer. Uh, I read this someplace. I don't remember where. I, I don't like. Uh, it's, I think ESPN's bracketology. They said the uh, this is how the mm-hmm. seeds rank in the SEC: Auburn two seed, Florida four seed, Tennessee four seed, Alabama seven seed. Seems low for them. Uh, Kentucky eight seed, Missouri nine seed. Arkansas 10 seed. 
Uh, how, how, do you agree with those? Um, I think those teams will all get in there. I think the way Mississippi State's playing right now, I, well, I they're seven. Doubt that they'll okay. get. But yeah. Well, yeah, well, we'll see. How about Andy Kennedy getting fired or quitting today at Ole Miss? Uh, I, I, he, he didn't get a lot of support from his, you know, I, 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 Ole Miss really, really did him dirty. Uh, he's the winningest coach in their school history. And he's done at Ole Miss what nobody's ever done. Uh, more than 200, more than 200 wins at a school that it's, it's virtually impossible that he had to deal with he had to deal with the Tad Pad uh, up until a couple of years ago, which was the worst gym. I mean, it, the Tad Pad made the old made the O-Dome look like a palace by comparison, back before the O-Dome was renovated. And Andy Kennedy's a good man and a good basketball coach. He'll land a good job someplace else. Uh, Ole Miss, you know, I, I, all i got to say is Ole Miss, you know, you already have defined dumb with Hugh Freeze. Now you are yeah. redefining yourself as dumb than dumb. Tough year, right there. It's a bizarre yeah, thing. I mean, I mean, you know, you, you want to talk about a, an institution that an institution that that has tattooed on its forehead mm. the word D U M B. That is all this. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, uh, it's certainly not going well there for them. I want to say before we go to Urban Meyer. Just remember, I want to tell folks uh, that uh, that we we're, we're appreciate the the support of our advertisers, particularly uh, the one of the Monday show. It's the Ocala Quarterback Club, uh, which sponsors the program on Monday. Thanks to everybody, especially our club uh, champions who make it possible to get marketing money and tell the world about it. That includes Dr. Frank Cannon from Ocala Orthopedic. He's a Bull Gator, longtime supporter of. Um, Gator sports and youth sports in this community. And uh, he has uh, been a friend of the programs for a while. And he just wants to support things that support the University of Florida. So thank you for Dr. Cannon. Also to uh, our friend uh, Greg Ergel of Greg Ergel Financial Services. Danny Williams of Danny Williams Appraisal Team. Uh, and Butch Futch, who basically just supports the program because he cares about sports in this town. And he's a member of the quarterback club. Quarterback club, of course, uh, is not in action as we speak. Franz was one of the speakers last year. We have an excellent, uh, I'm told, I haven't seen a uh, list coming up to speak at the quarterback club. And uh, and we'll be doing some other things, including maybe a surprise guest when we go to the swap for the spring game and a little bit of tailgating going on with the uh, the Gator Nation. I'm waiting for you, Franz. Kingdom Thank you. Thank you. I had the water was almost all the way down okay. the throat. I okay. couldn't say anything until Just want to make sure you're paying attention. <laughs> get it into kingdom. And uh, thank you for all of that. Now, let's get to the subject of Urban Meyer. And I'm going to just ask people uh, online here to sort of just have them take a breath. Like, wait a minute. Uh, and then you can fire away if you want to. Not trying to convert anybody's thoughts about any coach, Urban Meyer or otherwise. You have your opinions, you have your thoughts, and that's fine. You have yours, we have ours. Um, and I'm gonna, what I want to do is, I want you to tell me, uh, one thing about Urban Meyer. Either that you like or don't like. 
Now, please don't deal in myth, because France, as we know, a lot of what's out there on Meyer is myth. If you just knew the real story, as France and I do. Uh, so we're asking you, and France, you join me in this, and you, you say what you obviously want to, you always do. Tell me one thing that's positive about Urban Meyer, and then tell me one thing that's negative about Urban Meyer, and then we'll let the troops go at it. What do you think? You can use either both or both or none, but tell me what it is about Urban Meyer that you think is so special. Well, the first thing I can tell you about him is Urban Meyer inspires the confidence that that we are going to go out there and win. And he did that from day, and he, people buy in with him. Uh, players will buy in with him, and, and I've seen him uh, do this countless times when he was at Florida. Um, but he he makes these kids believe that there is nothing out there, there's no team out there, there's nothing out there that can stop them. They're going to win the game. And when you go in, Spurrier did that. The great coaches do that. Nick Saban does it. The great coaches always do. One of the things we've always heard about, about from guys, it's like one time James when we held a, a party in Atlanta and James Bates got up there on our podium and spoke, and one of the things James Bates said was, was, you know, when Coach Spurrier was here, we always, you know, we went into the game knowing we were going to win the game. He said, and there was never a doubt in anybody's mind that we were going to win. And that's what the great coaches do. That's what Urban does is he inspires that. Is there a negative about Urban? Yes, there is. There's a negative about every coach that's out there. Um, I think Urban Meyer has a very warm and fuzzy side to him. Very few people have ever gotten a chance to see it. Um, and I think that People see the intense Urban Meyer on the sideline, and they wish we had that guy coaching for us. But if things don't go the way you want, you look at that intense guy and you think of him as an arrogant so-and-so. Well, you and I know him well. There is a warm and fuzzy side to Urban. Urban's a fun guy. He really is. You just don't get to see that about him. I wish more people had that opportunity to see that side of Urban. Uh, I think it would help him as far as personal image. I think it would help him for recruiting and other things as well. But I'd really like to see that. Only, the, only, the kids who play for him see it. The coaches who coach with him see it. Uh, wife and family and a few select people, which we have been included from time to time, see it. But the rest of the world doesn't. And, and I think that, I think Urban does himself a disservice and by, by not allowing that part of him to get out there sometimes. Nick Saban, you know, I know people, I can say the same thing about Nick Saban, buddy. I know people who know Nick well and they say Nick is an absolute blast. He owes karaoke parties at his house. Can, can you, and you know, I, Somehow or another, I never imagined Nick Saban singing karaoke. But I understand he is the life of a karaoke party, and he has them at his house. Uh, wow. But we don't see that. And you only see the, the stiff upper lip guy that, that is, is on the sideline yelling and screaming at somebody, whatever like that. You don't 
see the, the side that makes kids want to run through a brick wall for them. Yeah. Um, I wish Herbin would show that side. Good point. Good point. And right in the book, Herbin's Way, I found uh, that moment uh, when we're, and you know, if you read the book and the opening chapter is about sitting in his lake house at 530 in the morning uh, with a cup of coffee and looking out the windows, the sun was rising over Lake Melrose. And we were talking, and we were really deep in the conversation. He stopped, looked out the window at the, at, the, at the sun coming up over the cypress trees. And he said, look at that. He said, that that is so special to me. It reminds me of the mornings that I was able to get up with my son, get his cornflakes. I get my coffee. We go out in the boat, sit in the boat in Lake Melrose and watch the sun come up. What a special time. And that's Urban Meyer you're talking about that we don't get to see very often. I was struck about that. You know how he feels about being a father is so, such an important thing to him. Yeah, I think, I think he does get a bit intense. Uh, when I wrote the book also, most everybody I talked to, I talked to everybody, his family, his teammates in high school, the coaches, whatever. And they all said, Urban's going to probably drop over on the sideline. Because he gets so so tense and he gives everything and he gets so uptight that he's just going to keel over one day. You know, I think he's gotten better at that. But you're right. I wish I could see the other side of him. Now, did he make a mistake? His biggest mistake was staying too long. He should have quit when he quit and stayed quit. Because it never was the same after he came back and tried to take the team he, back he home. Either should have, he either should have quit or taken a year's sabbatical to yeah, get well. For sure, yeah. Because he, try, he, he tried to coach a season when he wasn't well. And I think during that season, he not only wasn't well, but I think he spent more time being concerned with what might happen Mm -hmm. to his assistant coaches if he left, if he were to, if he were to hang it up. And we did not see the focused urban Meyer that we had seen. Uh, You know, we know both of us now that, he was he wasn't at practice every day because he was getting treated for a med- for a, a medical condition. Mm-hmm. People don't understand that about him, you know. Um, I, here's the Urban Meyer that I that I will always remember, and I go back to his first season here, and that was in 2005. And my mom was essentially hanging on for dear life at ORMC in Orlando. Um, she had had some serious surgery, and there were three or four times during the month she was in the hospital that, that she was perilously close to being gone. Well, Urban found out that my mom was in the hospital, and he said, uh, is there something I could do for you? I said, well, my mom absolutely adores you, and it's her birthday on Thursday, which is Thanksgiving. He said, do you think she'd mind if I called her? I said, sure. I know she would. Herman Meyer and Shelly get on the phone Thanksgiving morning, which is her birthday, and and uh, they give my mom a call. Talk to her for 30 minutes on the phone. My mom, you know, uh, two weeks later, my mom's out of the hospital. She'd been in almost a month already, and two weeks later, she's out of the hospital. But the last thing he asked her, he says, now, he says, birthday girl, he says, what can we give you for your birthday? And my mom says, well, you could beat Florida State. 
he says, consider it done. Well, Florida wins that game 34 to seven. And then, and you and I are in the post game in the, in the South end zone. And he finishes his press conference and he's carrying that Gatorade bottle that he always did in his hand when he comes out. He whacks me on the butt when he passes by. He says, how's that for a birthday? Present? Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's very special. Special one. All right. We have a lot of business to cover before you go. I know you want to go soon. People here asking questions uh, and making comments. Uh, Kevin Zeminski says, hi, friends. Uh, Joby Mitchell mentioned something that's pretty important. Speaking of Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer loved this guy. What about Vernell Brown being named today as the development coach? President, I, I think they call it player development, whatever it may be. That's a good, that is good to see a Gator, an uh, older Gator on different regime back in the fold, even in a job that's not coaching on the spot. Good move by uh, Scott Strickland and Dan Mullen. Yes, it is. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you something. Uh, you want to talk about a guy that still touches Urban Meyer's heart. Vernell mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Brown does. I, you know, one of my greatest memories is watching Vernell Brown come out, out on crutches on mm-hmm. senior day because he'd broken his ankle and he comes out on crutches on senior day. It was the biggest roar of all. The littlest gator, and there's Urban. What a hug. What a great moment. That's icing on the cake. And, and good, good, good for for the University of Florida. All right, I think I just lost the broadcast. So my, my bad for all you people out there who, uh, I, unfortunately, my computer uh, shut down uh, for a second. So uh apologize for that. And uh, we'll see if we can get back up here and get rolling to finish this off if anybody rejoins the broadcast. Apologize, you folks out there, if you're picking me up right now, Francis. Uh, had a couple of people who are asking about uh, Mike White. Uh, here's, here's Nolan Richard. Yeah, sorry about that, Nolan. Uh, we'll wait for people to join us. Some of the questions they were asking uh, were uh, the coaching change at Ole Miss, as we get our group back here, uh, the coaching change at Ole Miss in – and whether or not this would, uh, Mike White would draw their attention, Mike White, of course, being an Ole Miss player, having a background there, would uh, would they, in fact, consider the possibility of, uh, of going after Mike White, friends? And you can take your time in explaining as we get our, uh, our hello, Nate. Sorry, back on again. We, I, My bad. I put my phone up and clicked off. Uh, Bill Pace, thank you. Sorry about that, Bill. Thanks for rejoining. Um and as we get back on this again, we're asking the question. Someone asked the question. Andy Kennedy now out in Ole Miss. Well, in fact, uh, Ole Miss turned around and tried to get one of their own, uh, who was Mike White, of course, played there. Uh, I have an opinion about it. France, what is your thought about that possibly happening? Well, I, I, there's no question Ole Miss will, will make a run at him. Now, uh, I, I do not think that Mike White is dumb enough to go back to Ole Miss. Uh, he's in a situation here in a program that is ha- is established as a national power and is going to continue to be a national power. And why would you give that up to go to to Ole Miss? And and you know you just, they just got rid of the winningest coach in school history and and a coach who gave. Mike White, an assistant coaching job. I don't think Mike White would, I, I think he would listen simply because it's Ole Miss, 
But do I think for one second he would give that even a nanosecond of a, of a second thought? No, I don't. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think he knows where he is and where he belongs, and I, no question in my mind. I mean, look, by the way, France, where are those people who were saying uh, two weeks ago, she'll be fired, Mike White? You know? Uh, we, we just sort of, we just, now here's, here's Mark saying, can we get Billy back? No, you're not going to get Billy back. And you know what else, Mark, if you got him? He, it wouldn't be a good fit. We know about these things. We've seen it happen. You can't, you cannot go back and do it again. It just doesn't work. Um, I, you know, look, I know there's some questions about Mike. Why? You know there's some questions about Mike. Why? He's got to show us he can finish a game. Coach, you know, sometimes he overcoaches, runs too many plays. But I think he's getting his team sorted out right now. I heard someone say the other day, uh, might have been Seth Greenberg saying, this is a time of year when all teams are shuffling around, trying to find their identity, trying to find the right player comments, looking at teams like Virginia, getting knocked off by Virginia Tech. They really don't have their identity right now. And people tend to think this is only happening to their team. This is basketball teams all over the country right now in February trying to figure out who they are and how to make the stretch run. And believe me, friends, it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So maybe he's got to play it, you know, and, and give him a chance, right? Well, you have to, and especially this year. I know everybody wants their team to be the team, but here's what I can tell you as of February 12th. There is not the team out there, period, end of story. What you've got is you've got, I think, about 25 teams that legitimately have a chance to run the table. How many times? I haven't seen a year like this in a long, long time that you could go back and and you really couldn't name a dominating team because there's not one out there. Now, is there a team out there that can get hot and win six games? That's what it takes to win the national championship. This is one of the things Billy Donovan used to always say. He said, you know, for example, in 2006, he said, we'll be the best team. He said, I don't know. He said, but we were the team that got hot enough to win six games and nobody else did that. And he was absolutely correct. Uh, You know, if Florida had, for example, played UConn, which got beat by George Mason, could Florida, would would Florida have beaten UConn? Maybe the matchups are different. Maybe Mason, the way George Mason played him just frustrated him. There's so many things that, that, that play into that. But here's the thing that Florida, that, that you equate that to this year. There's not a super team out there, but there will be a team that will get hot enough to win six games. Which team will that be? If it's the Florida team that couldn't miss a shot there for four or five ball games, the Gators will have a chance to do that. Can they do that? I don't know. I think they have to play better defense. They have to play the defense like they played Saturday. That was a leak defense we saw Saturday. If they can combine that with the discipline to not get three ball happy and force up three three balls when the shots aren't going, I think they got a chance to do do really well. But uh, my goodness, this this is not a year where there's a super team. Mike Mike could end up at the elite eight or better, just like last year, just if he can get his team on a roll. 
I would like to have no shot clock violations, however. That drives me insane to the shot clock violations. But they did at least, they, at least they had an offense uh, for a change. They were making their shots, which is what you want to see. Um, but you want to know somebody, they had seven shot clock violations by my count. And of those seven shot clock violations, five of them were the result of the Gators were, were passing the ball. You know, at some point in time, somebody's got to say, okay, I'm going to take the shot. And some of those shot clock violations weren't effective. Uh, it, it was the fact they were trying to be a little bit too unselfish. And you can live with that. That's something you can coach out of them. Uh, you can't coach shot clock violations because they're dribbling the ball too much or, or, or they're holding the ball too much. One guy's holding the ball and trying to, you know, and trying to be the hero. We didn't see that. We saw a lot of ball movement. You can coach the, the, the shot clock violations out of them when the ball's moving. You can't coach it when you got too much dribbling or one guy just holding on to the basketball. All right, Franz, here's the questions that we missed when I shut us down a while ago. Okay, you ready for them? I know your throat's probably gone by now, but these people checked in, want to know, have a few things they want to say. Um, we know Mark says, can we bring Billy back? That's a no. Um, okay. Mike, or Nolan Richards says, if Mike leaves, we need to get Patino. That would never happen under Scott Strickland, in my opinion. Your thoughts? Well, not only is it not going to happen, you're not going to go out there and hire a coach that's almost 70 years old. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to do that. You know, I, I mean, let's eliminate all the other stuff because Patino says he wasn't, you know, he's not guilty, whatever. That'll all come out later. But eliminate that and, and let's just, let's just go with the, the, the reality here. Are you going to hire a 70 year old coach? And the answer to that is no, you are not. Okay. Period. All right. End of story. All right. Um, Richie Robinson says Mike Wadier is our guy. Period. Um, Joey McBrayer, Mike White is the right guy for us. John Enrico says Mike stays. Jay Stubbins says, I think his dad, the AD at Duke, might make a run at him when Coach K retires. Hmm. Um, John Enrico, crazy college basketball season this year. One word for you, relax. Like you just said that a minute ago. Um, Lynn Tindall says, Mike has had a better three-year start than Billy did. Be patient. Is that true? That is correct. Uh, Billy had had two consecutive losing seasons to start. Was it in his third year that he, he finally got the Gators in the NCAA tournament? Mike is ahead of the game, and you got to understand something. Uh, following a legend isn't easy. Uh, an old friend of ours named Lou Holtz once was asked, would he like to succeed Woody Hayes? And his answer was, no, but I wouldn't mind succeeding the guy who succeeds Woody Hayes. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, you know, you're far better off the farther you are removed from a legend. But Mike White has embraced this job. Uh, I think he has, I think he's done a great job because of one basic thing. Mike tries to be the first Mike White, not to be the next Billy, Billy Donovan. Mm-hmm. Too many coaches have get into a, a situation where they're following a legend. Mm-hmm. They're trying to be the next legend instead mm-hmm. of just being themselves. And I think Mike does a great job of being himself. 
All right, we got to wrap it up. But uh, Donald Wilder says, of course, the Agbuno question. Any chance Agbuno comes back by the end of the season? Only six games left. Your answer, I think I've got mine, but go ahead. Uh, I would say right now that if the swelling is gone and I'm not the one that is going to determine that, yeah, he's going to play. But if the swelling isn't gone, uh, no, he's not. Uh, you know, it's all based on healing. You got to remember something. Uh, an ACL is typically a one-year deal. He hasn't even hit the, the one-year mark yet. He's still a couple, three weeks away from hitting what would be the one-year mark. So where he is now with some swelling and some soreness and tenderness and stuff, that's pretty much par for the course when it comes to an ACL tear. So uh, I would say he's where he, he was. They had hoped that he would heal faster. He didn't. But I think he's healing like a normal person. So, yeah, at the end of the year, I think he could play uh, in the SEC tournament. He's not in the SEC tournament in the NCAA. He is not going to apply for a sixth year. So, you know, if, if he's healthy, he'll play however many games he can down the stretch. All right, it's going to be an interesting spring. Here it is. We're already in the middle of February. Uh, we got a month left of the spring game. I only call it the Orange Blue game, nothing else. Please don't insult my intelligence by making something else up. We do have uh, some plans going right now. Uh, they're waiting for Bubba to weigh in. We're talking about getting a, you know, having a major tailgate party for, for the kingdom uh, and friends. We have more people who may join us. We have a couple of high-profile people who may join us, including friends. Uh, and that will be a special time. And, Francis, you said it the other day, if the Gator baseball team gets off to a good start, softball plays well. If the, if the, if the Gator basketball team gets in the, uh, uh, the, the tournament, which they should, and now you've got, you know, other things, but you mainly got spring football with a new head coach, Dan Mullen, and the Arab excitement, it could be really an exciting time around Hawktown, couldn't it? And, Yes, it can. And don't forget that our indoor men's track team is ranked number one in the nation with uh, Grant Holloway, who just set the all-time collegiate record for the 60-meter hurdles with a 4 by 400 relay team, which just, re- which just finished second, the second fastest time in history. Southern Cal broke the world record uh, Saturday night in Clemson. Florida finished second with the second fastest time in history. The Gators have a, a, a men's track team in indoors, which is which is loaded up and should and could win another national championship for Mike Holloway. Holloway, got to remember something. This will be his seventh national championship yeah. if he wins it, and he's still got the outdoors, and he's got women's team. His women's team is is uh, don't sleep on the women's team. They might. Florida could pull that daily double. You know, friends, very few times have I talked you out. <laughs> tonight I talked you out. I've worn you out tonight, finally. Uh, and it's been good. Thanks for enlightening conversation. And thank you for, uh, for sharing information with us. And, uh, we're just gonna, we'll do this again later in the week. And we'll do a late night dilly dilly. Tomorrow night we're gonna have Brady Ackerman, your friend and mine. Along with uh, Urban Meyer on. Yep. And, uh, other guests lined up for you as well. Uh, I want to thank our guests today, if I may. First of all, friends, I'll say good night to you and thank you very much. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Can I, can I add one thing? Go right ahead. Yeah. 
forgot to mention the gymnastics team, which beat Alabama uh, Friday night and uh, has a perfect 10 there and Kennedy Baker on the floor and has the best gymnast in the country in Alex McMurtry. And in another couple weeks, she's going to start doing floor exercises so that she can commit to the all-around. If she's doing the all-around, Florida has a legitimate chance to win the national championship. Like Ken Seguini just said, France always brings his A-game. Francis, appreciate it, buddy. Thank you very much. Thanks, now. Bye-bye. All right, France Beard. You can catch him at fightgetters.com. Sometimes he posts on our other sites, but uh, thanks to France. Thanks to our guest today, by the way. We talked a lot of golf early on with well, what happened uh, at Pebble Beach this past week, uh, uh, this past Sunday. What a, what a big time for, uh, for Teddy uh, to be able to, to, to Potter Jr. to win. Uh, when he won, uh, thanks to our, our friend uh, at Golf Channel, um, uh, Tim Rosaford, who came on and shared some thoughts. Mike McGinnis, uh, who's the former uh, official, uh, SEC official, and uh, did ran the replay booth for a while you know, on some of the games. And Mike was a former athlete himself. And Mike's a member of the quarterback club, and he came on to share a few thoughts. And, of course, uh, thank you to the quarterback club for making this broadcast possible today. And, of course, our friend down in southwest Florida, um, David Moulton, who's one of the best, uh, joined. It's been a good day. Hope you enjoyed the program. We have the liberty of going a little over now. We don't have to be golf at a certain time. We're going to see you again tomorrow at the same time, 530. But tell your friends. Tell them to get on Facebook, go on the Buddy Martin Show, like the page, uh, and then tell them to tell other people about it, share it. And uh, we're building and building and building as we go along. Happy that we had such a great response. Uh, and then we've got other things in store. Don't forget, if you don't have Facebook, tell your friends to go to TuneIn. TuneIn. You go to TuneIn and look for the Buddy Martin Show. The podcast will be up within, I don't know when, but shortly after the program, if you missed it, or you get back on here and watch it later on or listen to it. Anyway, all that happening. Thanks again to our guests. Thanks again to our advertisers. Thanks again to all of you at the Gator Nation Kingdom. And uh, on your behalf and their behalf, I'm Buddy Martin signing off for the night. Dilly dilly.